You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. To be in place, you know, or, or the parents, sometimes even in church, even in church, we are priests and pastors who molest, you know, people and threaten them that if they speak, they're going to curse them. And they live in that fear for a long time. And in the name of God, people are abused. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. So whether it's church, whether it's government, whether it's family, we're all messed up. As in seriously messed up. Yeah. Our world is terribly messed up. But there's only one place that you can run to. And that's God himself. That's Jesus himself. And to run into Maybe a company like this, a kind of church like this, where we have well-meaning young people who are willing to support each other. Yeah. The lady that I spoke about who wrote her story in yesterday's Guardian, she now has an NGO. Yeah. I don't know whether uh, she's read my book before or, oh, she said, she said her mom encouraged her. Because if you read my book before, don't waste your pain. That's the title. It's a small book like this. It's about how to turn your negative life experiences to things that can bless people's lives. And I wrote stories of a few people who have turned, you know, their pain around to a blessing to other people. Now she has an NGO where she just cater to victims of rape. They give information and, you know, and all that. This morning, before I minister to people, because I, I, I have an impression in my spirit that I need to really bless some people here, even lay hands on some people, because I see restoration here this morning. I said, I see restoration here this morning. Uh, anyone here, the devil has stolen your personal dignity from you and stripped you of your self-image. I see restoration here this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's read from the scriptures the reference to someone who was also abused sexually in the Bible. I'm talking about none other but Tamar. In 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel 13. Amnon, the son of David, started dealing with lust. Yeah. Because he seriously felt like sleeping with her sister, who was a virgin. And he could not resist it. He, the feeling overwhelmed him. It's the highest form of loss when you know that something is completely out of order, but you cannot resist yourself. From trying to break free from it. There's anyone here. Maybe you, used, you, you, you are like how, what I used to be like. In my teenage years and my very early 20s. I struggled with loss. Yeah. Struggled with loss. I had to cope with, you know, a bit of pornography. And I was already saved. Because I got saved as a teenager. But I had my struggles. Yeah. My mind was terribly messed up. Terribly. Not, not a little, but terribly messed up. I mean, it got to a point, I couldn't watch any movie that did not have any sexual scene. Something in me just craves it. Yeah. I don't know if you're like that today. I've, I've been delivered from that, and you can be delivered. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah. You can be delivered. Following God. By embracing grace. 
And I need you to know that the devil just takes delight in messing up our minds. Some of the experiences I had was what motivated me to write the book, Sexuality Get a Grip. I couldn't wait. Somewhere in my spirit, this book was lodged from my early 20s when I started overcoming lust. And I saw how a lot of my friends were totally messed up. As an engineering undergraduate, we, I studied mining engineering, and we, we used to take a lot of field trips. Yeah. And uh, I had the privilege of traveling this country. There's virtually no state in Nigeria that I haven't been to before. It's just a wonderful privilege. I've been to almost every state in Nigeria. And part of it was just doing field trips. You know, traveling from Akure, which was, I went to Federal University of Technology Akure for my first degree, uh, traveling all the way from that place straight to Jos, to Kaduna, from Kaduna to Enugu, you know, all around like that, just moving around to Parakot, all by road. And we used to have a lot of time to talk. Only two girls in my class. Yeah, we're all boys. Yeah. And you know, you have like two or three buses. Some of those buses, I mean, we have only two girls. So if we travel with three buses, there will at least be one bus that there will be no girl. <laughs> yeah. And in that kind of bus, we say all kinds of things. For the first time it occurred to me, this time I was already a pastor, an undergrad pastor. It occurred to me that most of the boys in my bus were messed up. Yeah. Classmates, people who sit in class to study together, some of them could not do without masturbating in a day. And I wonder, how? And I, I was so naive. Do not a point, I didn't know what it mean, meant to masturbate. I was dealing with my own, as in lost, I scattered my brain. But when it started giving me new dimensions, <laughs> I, 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 I was... I was thinking, what kind of thing is this? I, I still remember one particular boy. We had a stopover in the city. I think it was Jaws, and we had to pass the night at the University of Jaws. It was, it was, it was one Amatan, you know, night. It was a December. Was 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 really terrible. And when this boy started to talk, I felt like I'd been in, in the den of lions, and I was not aware. Yeah. But we got into jobs, and we had to spend hours in our bus before they could. Uh, school was an holiday, you know, so we're just there. The place was cold. We're looking for blankets, you know, and all that. And boys were. <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> let's leave it, right? Yeah, let's leave it. Uh, but, but you know where I'm going. It was, it was, it just brought the awareness to me that most of the people around me were messed up. Yeah, were messed up. They were, they were seriously messed up. I didn't even know where to start with the preaching. Yeah, I didn't know how to or where to because they were seriously messed up. Now, let's go back to Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 13 and David... Verse 7, and David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother's, to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down 
And then she took flour and kneaded it, made cake in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. And Tamar was quite naive, didn't know anything. The heart of a man is desperate, I mean, desperately wicked. Verse 10, Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cake which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Verse 11, now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come, lie with me, my sister. Verse 12, but she answered him, no, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. Somebody say disgraceful. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And hi, where could I take my shame? She already saw it through. And what was going to happen after? And look at what she was saying. Where could I take my shame? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Nothing has happened, but Tamar processed everything. Based on that process, in a, in a few seconds, lie with me. Boom, she traveled in her mind. What's going to happen here? This is who I'm going to become. This is who you're going to become. One of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. In the days where they leave, if I'm not someone the courage to ask his father, perhaps his father may even avail him and say, yeah. However, he will not eat her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. Verse 15. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. Apparently, it was not love. These words were just used. It was lost. She was, he was lusting after her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. Verse 16, So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. Sexual abuse will lead to a feeling of rejection. When he said, Arise and be gone. He said, if, if, if after you have messed me up, you even care about me, and you, you want to even apologize. You know, most people, we, if the, the abuser can just own up, maybe apologize, maybe so, show some degree of remorse, we start to feel better. This guy was not even remorseful at all. But he would not listen to her. Verse 17, then he called the servant who attended uh, attended him and said, here, put this woman out, away from me, and bolt the door behind her. Now she had 
on her a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters. King's virgin daughters wore such apparel, and a servant put her out and bottled the door behind her. You know what Tama did? Tama no permit me to read everything. Tama put ashes on her, on her forehead, you know, tore the king's daughter's apparels that belong to king's virgin daughters to signify the father she has been, you know. It's no longer a virgin. She's been the virgin. And as she was going, she saw her brother, Absalom, a brother from the same mother. She didn't have to say anything. Absalom knew what has happened. Is this what your brother Amnon has done to you? From that point, a seed of rebellion, a seed of disloyalty and discord was sown in that family. And that singular act, act of foolishness by Amnon, broke that family apart. Amnon, I mean, Absalom kept quiet for two years. The thing was brooding, you know. And one day, he told the king, I have a feast. Let all the king's sons come. King agreed. Amnon showed up. He said they should kill Amnon. Told his boys, kill him. The boys dealt with him and killed him. Absalom went away into exile for three years. The story started from there. The house of David was broken into two. Amnon, I mean, Absalom, went into full-blown rebellion and disloyalty. The kingdom was divided. All kinds of things happened from just that one singular act. How are you managing your mind? I speak to anyone in the house today who may have abused anyone before. Because this is us. We're, we're, this, is, this, is, this is who we are. If people are abused, that means they are abusers. Yeah. And sometimes, not holding brief for abusers, not all abusers really are in their right senses. If we can get into our right frame of mind, perhaps we can reduce abuse. If men, young men and young women can deal with the prevailing thoughts on their mind and be able to stand against the stranglehold of lust, that spirit of lust, a lot may change in our society today. You know, Amnon spoke to a guy who happened to be his cousin, David's brother's son, and that was the guy who gave him the idea. Just trick. Why is the king's son going lean and becoming depressed? Amnon, why are you in depression? Amnon said, this is what is worrying me. I, I, I'm just been lost in after my sister. That's, that's, that's not a problem. I'll give you a strategy. Give him a strategy and that was it. So you see what happens in our society. It's a connection. Somebody doesn't see that something is bad. And then strengthen somebody who wants to do it. Who has something. You know, back in the day, I read a book. One of the books I will never forget in my life, titled What's on Your Mind, was written by Marlene Carotas. That's the name of the author. Until I read that book, I couldn't break the hold of the devil over my mind. And I read that book and I saw the havoc that the devil wrecks on people's lives when they lose control of their mind and allow anything to settle on their mind. Then I realized that and I needed to do something about it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, when you read verse 4, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty true God to the playing down of strongholds and casting down imagination, thoughts, 
and every eye things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Can I speak to somebody here this morning? The first step that you need to start to take, if we're going to be able to deal with abuse, is for all of us to keep our minds sane. Our real warfare is here. What we think. That's where our real warfare is. Whether you want to come out of abuse or you want to stop abusing people, your mind has to be fixed. Your mind has to be fixed. And the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down, can we do it together? Casting down and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every Um, and it says, be in readiness to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Can you go back to verse 5? In verse 5, you will see two important things there. Arguments. I think. Thoughts. Very important. What are the prevailing thoughts on your mind? Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thought. That's how your life moves. There's nothing you're going to do about it as a thinker in his heart so easy. Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thought. That's where your life will be, in the direction of your most dominant thought. If all you think about all the time is the thought of lust and sex and all that, you're going to mess up your mind and you're going to mess up your life. As you think in your heart, so are you. Thought is what becomes action. Action is an, is, is an effect. The cause itself is the seed of thought that we, you, you allow to stay. So if somebody is going to come out of abuse and all the effect of being abused, you also need to be able to take hold of the reins of your mind and see yourself the way you're supposed to see yourself. But I'm firstly talking about someone who is still at that realm where you're struggling uh, with being the one having a tendency to abuse somebody, having a tendency to derail somebody. The last um, singles event that we had at the, at the Island Church, here, the Elevation Church, when it was time for question and answer, that was May 29, uh, the SALT event, Singles are Farming Life Together. Uh, a lady asked a question, and I needed to control myself that day. Really, I needed to control myself. Because you know there's some questions that it just dawns on you that the person asking could have been your sister. And if it was my sister, I would have tongue lashed. Ah, where is your sense? Let me tell you the question. Okay, what should I do, Pastor? My boyfriend is addicted to sex. And you've told us this evening that we should practice abstinence. So what should I do? As in... You know what I wanted to ask her? Is it that God opened the book of life to you and you saw both of your names together? <laughs> because I don't understand that question. I've told you that for you to remain sane and live a good life, be in a relationship, try to pack sex aside, the Bible says don't awaken love until it's time. You're going to have plenty of it when you get married. But pull it aside. And then you said, my boyfriend is addicted to sex. What should I do? Excuse him. <laughs> and let him fix himself. And if you're ever going to get married...
needs to be fixed before you marry him. You can't marry a damaged ghoul. That guy is damaged. Because I said, look, you marry him, he's going to break your heart into pieces. Because you already know he's addicted to sex. Yeah. You're going to get pregnant, for instance. He's addicted. If he can't make love to you, you'll find somebody else. You're going to travel to America. You're in trouble. <laughs> because he's addicted. It's addiction. It's not about you. It's addiction. Are you still with me today? Is somebody hearing me? Because I don't want to assume that there's nobody here in the same situation. See, anybody that is dealing with any kind of addiction and you are in a relationship with them, the best thing you can do is not to hate the addiction but to take life out of the addiction if you love them. There are certain things, certain environments that hate the growth of the addiction. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. If you truly love them, you should be taking those things out. So you literally take life out. Push them into therapy. Push them into prayer. Push them into counseling. Everything that will help them. Deny them anything that will help the addiction to grow if you truly love them. So sleeping with somebody who is already in sexual addiction, I don't know how, how that helps the situation. Yeah. How some, this is blessing somebody today. So, what happened between Amnon and Tamar messed a whole family and the lineage of David up till tomorrow. If you are here listening to me, and you have a tendency to abuse someone, you need help. If you have uncontrollable thoughts in areas of sex, sexual addiction, and all the issues that surround it, you need to understand that you're dealing with serious issues. Serious issues. As humans, we're born with deeply felt, I mean, with a deeply felt need to be loved and respected. That's how we're born. And what happens is that when you get into a situation where that need is affected one way or the other, maybe not met, or met in a way that can create problems for you, from childhood, you start to struggle. So a child's dependency on the approval of, you know, other people, or his need for affirmation often creates an overwhelming sense of insecurity. A lot of us today have gone through what we're going through, or what we've gone through, because we're denied certain, you know, level of affection, certain level of affirmation, certain level of acceptance. When Tama was raped, Tama said, my brother, if you did not communicate rejection to me the way you did, maybe I would even be able to handle it better. But now I'm just thoroughly messed up. I don't want to talk too much this afternoon. But I want somebody here to understand that you need to do something with where you have been through. You need to do something with where you are coming from. It's extremely important that you choose to do something yeah, with where you have been and where you are coming from. 
The moment you sense that you can't feel affection again. The moment you sense a, you have a deep sense of rejection, you become vulnerable. I think it's First Peter chapter 5 and verse 9 or so that says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, is, you know, prowling, looking for who to devour. The devil can't devour everybody. Have you realized that? That's why he has to look carefully. You have to be caught napping before you can be devoured. And what does the devil look for? He looks for people who are feeling rejected. He looks for people who have grown up with lack of affirmation. He looks for people who have grown up without love. He looks for people who, whose sense of esteem has been turned around. And then he goes there and gives them options. Yeah. When a guy cannot socialize easily because of, you know, his own self-image, it's so easy for the devil to suggest masturbation and pornography to that person. Because the images and the things you do to yourself, you can't suffer any rejection from that. Many people are running away from rejection, so that's why they lock themselves into a corner and do whatever they like with themselves. Yeah. Somebody stay with me today. I said, are you still here? So it's important for us to understand that God wants us to take charge of our own lives. God wants us to take charge of our own life. He wants us to take charge of our life and take charge of our heart. If there's anybody listening to me here this afternoon who may have suffered any kind of abuse, all the testimonies that we have shared today, the God experiences, you've seen that God wants to help you through it. He wants to bring you out of it. You need to allow him. It all starts from the heart. When the heart changes, your attitude will change. It starts to affect your feelings, your emotions. So like Psalm 64 and verse 6 says, I paraphrase it, the heart is the center of man's being. Springing forth attitudes, motive, motives, feelings, and emotions. That's where everything springs from. Springing forth attitude, motive, feelings, and emotions. That's where it springs from. That's where it springs from. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. I need you to understand that God wants to help you with what you think about. God wants to help you with the way you see yourself. God wants you to see yourself the way he's seeing you. And listen to the testimony of the great preacher and teacher of God's word. The lady called Joyce Mayer. Joyce Mayer survived a life of abuse. Her story is peculiar in the sense that her own abuse came from her dad. And she was raped like every other day on a weekly basis for about 18 years. I've been searching. I'm not sure that anybody that I've seen, I mean, there will be many people, but I'm not sure of many people who have endured what she, that lady went through. I mean, this is not a stranger. This is not an uncle. This is not um, just one neighbor. This is not 
one friend in university. This is not, uh, not even an arm robber. A father who is supposed to be the protector. Who is supposed to be the figure to emulate. A father will go out and get drunk and molest her. She said minimum twice a week for about 18 years. She was thoroughly messed up, as in thoroughly. She got into her first marriage, it didn't work. How she even got married in the first instance, she said it was a miracle. Her second marriage now has been for maybe over 30 or 35 years. Stable marriage. Great woman of God. Gathering crowds all over the world. And a lot of the time she just shares her story. As she shares her story, the power of God comes down. So you read her books like Battlefield of the Mind. Because for you to survive what she went through, you have to be able to deal with the battlefield of the mind. I love reading her book, for instance. Yeah. I have so many of her books. I was recently reading a book about prayer, simple prayers. Lovely book. You will know that this person practiced this thing because you see, we can see the fruit in her life. Today, she's not just whole. She's making people whole. That's what happens when you allow God to take that space in your heart. And you get into godly counsel. You get into the hand of the right people to speak into your life. The right person to, to coach. The right person to, 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 to hold your hand and walk you through it. So if there's anyone here who still feels the pain is still quite much. I still can't see myself the way I need to see myself. I want to encourage you but after this service, let us know if you need professional help. We're willing to help. But I'm going to pray with you today. And I've seen testimonies. I've seen testimonies. I handled a case many years ago. The lady in question, I presume, I think, she qualifies to be the abuser. But she was abused, then she became an abuser. This was what happened. So this happened in my former pastorate when I was still at Daystar. This lady shot my pastor an email. And my pastor didn't have time to handle it, so the email was sent to me. In the first instance, she didn't want to see me because she wanted to only see Pastor Sam. So it was a lot of entreaty that got her to even agree to see me. And we started to talk. And I realized that her dad was very tough. So there was no love at home. She broke something in the house, like an implement that her dad just bought. I can't remember what it was. And her dad sent her out of the house and said she should go and fix it. And if she can't fix it, she shouldn't come back to the house. A young teenager. She said a young man, one of the neighbors, bought something and fixed that stuff for her. And she was able to go back home to give it to her dad. Her dad didn't ask questions. Can you imagine? Yeah. Maybe in his mind, she, she, he was saying, I need to teach her a lesson. 
and let her know that these things are not cheap. But that guy disvirgined her and started sleeping with her. Yeah. And that was how our story started. This girl said, then she, she just realized that something came upon her such that when she sees any authority figure, she wanted to deal with them sexually. So she was seriously attracted to authority figures. As secondary school principal, she slept with him. Yeah. The church that they attended, a Baptist church in this Lagos, she was sleeping with the vicar. He said, when my, my, he said my dad prostrates to greet the vicar when the vicar comes to our house. I'll stay in one corner and be winking at him. He said the vicar will park like two streets away from their house and send her a message and she will go. See, she went completely out of out, you know, to town. Her dad was not aware. As at the time I was sitting across the table with her, she was on her seventh abortion. And God had great plans for her life. This girl finished first degree, first class. Master's degree, distinction. From one of the topmost universities in the UK. But she was thoroughly messed up. And it started from that undue exposure. But as, as I talk to you today, just like Joyce Mayer, she's whole. She's been married for a few years now. She has a child. She's doing well. I talk to herself and her husband from time to time. God can restore anything. He can put anything together. It starts first and foremost with seeking him as our helper. And allowing him to breathe upon our mind. Before I pray, my last set of slides. Some questions. Some things that I want you to think about as you live here today. So that you can see how these things have affected you. You can note how they have affected you down. And begin to recalibrate in prayer with them. One Somebody help me. One, go. I want you to be able to describe your parents, your relatives, your guardians, your, you know, your grandparents, and see if there are things. You know, the last lady who spoke said there was a history of mental health in the family. The devil was trying to push her into that corner too, and she was not aware of it. What are the things that you have seen around? You see, we are a bundle of everything that we have sucked in from all around us. Number two. How were conflict, anger, tension handled in your extended family over two or three generations? How have those things been handled? Yeah. Is it, is it that you see that when people are, when there's conflict or anger, do people, you know, break bottles on their heads? Do, do women just walk out? You know, what, what, how are those things? Because somehow, some of those things have seeped into your mind. Next one. Were there any family secrets, such as unwed pregnancies, incest, mental illness, financial scandal, that you know about have been covered up because a lot of those things have a way of showing up in adulthood? Yeah. And they are either pushing one to become an abuser or susceptible to abuse. Next one. What was considered success in your family? 
What's the thing that is still? What, how is success defined in your family? It's a big deal. Because you may have to redefine it. If you want to keep your mind sane and keep yourself away from being the kind of person who abuses people or who will be abused. Can you give me the next one? How would you describe the relationship between family members? Is it conflicted, detached, enmeshed, abusive? How, how, how would you describe relationship between family members within your family? You know, I, I, I quoted First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 and 9. These are some of the things that create grooves on our minds that allow the devil to capitalize on it and mess some things up in our lives. Next one. What generational pattern or themes do you recognize? Addiction, affairs, abuse, divorce, mental illness, abortion, children born out of wedlock, etc. What, what, what generational patterns can you see? Because if you just take your eyes away and behave as if some of those things don't matter, you don't know what to address in prayer. And the devil is waiting along the corner to, you know, to keep these things in perpetuity, just for them to continue. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, what he's looking at is how he's going to maneuver you and eventually get this to continue to happen. And that's how we get opened up. Yeah, that's why somebody will be dating somebody who is abusing them, and you will not say anything to anybody. You won't talk. No talk to friends. No talk to authority figures. No talk to anybody. And then the thing gets out of hand. And then maybe at the end of the day, you're already pregnant. And everybody's saying, marry him. And then you go ahead and marry him. And then two years down the line, you're so miserable. And then they say, but ah, true, in that family, nobody stays in their husband's house. How are you going to stay in that kind of person's house? You're just, just going to join in statistics. That's what's going to happen. But if you're already aware, then when you sense that abuse, you tell yourself, affliction will not arise a second time. Yeah. And you start to take, you know, walk back gradually. Yeah. And you tell yourself, I'd rather not marry than to get myself into this kind of situation. Is somebody still with me today? Yeah. Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. I'd love to pray for some people here today. And I want you to be mindful of where you have been as we pray. Because I see chains broken. I see people delivered. I want you to bow down your heads just a minute. Bow down your heads a minute. First and foremost, I want you to just open up your heart to God. I know you may have done it severally in the course of the service as people shared that, that God experienced. But there are some things that some people here may never have spoken to anyone about. Including God. I want you to attempt to do that right now. I want you to attempt to do that right now. 
Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. What's the most humiliating experience that you've ever had in your life that you've never shared with anyone? Can you talk to God about it right now? Because those things still continue to create a groove in your mind that can lead you to abusing somebody, especially when you want to get into that kind of situation and you know that you don't want it to happen again because of how it makes you feel. I want you to just open up your heart to God right now and just, just, just talk to God. Just talk to God. Just talk to God. I need you to talk to God about the fact that, especially if you know that you need help, I recognize that I need help. I want to come out of this thing. I want to come out of that thing. I know I cannot do it on my own. I need you to help me. We've taken testimonies of two people here today who God has helped. Today they have a testimony. I've been through this. I've been through that. And this is who I am. And I know God is going to turn their pain into gain. He's already done that and he's going to do it more and more. Will you just talk to God? Let him know how you feel about where you are being. Let him know how you feel about the things in your heart that are offshoots of what's going on in your family. Let him know how you feel about that feeling of rejection. Somebody here even needs to tell God, Lord, I know I have low self-esteem. Yeah. I know, I know I'm dealing with low self-esteem. And I need help. Somebody is so hungry here. I don't know what, what you are angry about, but I, I need you to talk to God about it. Let him know that you are hungry. Yeah. Let him know. He's our father and he's willing to listen to us. Just let him know. Lord, I'm angry. I'm angry about this issue. I'm angry about that guy that I, that I used to date and how he messed me up. I'm angry about that lady who just walked out of my life and who left me miserable and who makes me feel like all the ladies are bad and the next one I see, I'm just going to deal with her anyhow too and just walk out. Because except you tell God about that anger, you may not be able to come out of it. The effect of it will still stay on your mind. And it leaves you vulnerable. Either to be an abuser or to be abused. Somebody needs to talk to God today about a fear that you have. Somebody here needs to be able to tell God, Lord, I'm afraid of getting into another relationship. Somebody here, you're so afraid of sex right now. One of the greatest things that you dread when you get married, is sex. You need to talk to God about it now. Lord, I'm afraid of sex because of my experience. I'm seriously afraid. I know that my marriage may fail because I'm, I'm, I'm messed up when it comes to sex. You need to talk to God about it right now. I just think you need to really open up your heart to God. That's how we receive help. And still in this attitude of prayer, I don't want to make any kind of call. All I want to say 
if you feel you need prayer are ready to come out let me pray for you i want to lay my hands on anyone who says pastor i need god i need prayer about this issue that we're dealing with i wanted to come out i wanted to come out i wanted to come out ushers can you help what i wanted to do is just help me with putting people in a row can you push back a bit because i'm coming down to lay hands on you just push back a bit yeah if you can't get to the front just stay by the house because as I lay hands on people, they will go back to their seats. So just, you, you just stay by the house and then you'll be able to join us in front. I'm going to start from the front row. This is what's going to happen. All right, for everyone in front and everyone that will still come to be prayed for, all I want you to do is that you release your faith as I lay hands on you, that the power of God will come upon you, that you will receive for someone here its wisdom, for someone is chain, limitation, limitation in your thought that will be broken. For someone is seeing yourself the way you have never seen yourself before. See yourself differently. For someone is to restore your confidence back after what you have been through. And I want you to just release your faith for it. Because from this time, as your faith is released and as grace comes upon your life, part of the things God is going to start to do is to bring you in contact with the right people. Somebody has an article. Somebody has a book. Somebody has, you know, knows somebody who needs to talk to you after this prayer. What grace does is to make everything to start to work together for your good. Somebody here this afternoon has a lens on you. You're going to receive grace to work out a certain friendship, certain relationship. That's how grace works. You're going to receive boldness to say no. That's how grace works. So I need you to understand what's going to be happening here. Someone here, as I lay hands on you, for the first time in your life, you are going to be able to say no to something. Yeah. You're going to say an end has come to the, in this area. Yeah. Strength is going to come upon your heart and mind. And somebody from this point, you're going to start to see yourself differently. You are no longer the victim. You are now Father, we thank you. Everyone lift your hand to Jesus and just bless him. Bless him for everyone. Bless him for everyone in front. Bless him for his grace today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.